Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Does an orthopedic condition or sports injury have you sidelined? Make your comeback with GW Hospital Sports Medicine. We offer services from neck to toe, including care for shoulders, hips, knees, ankles, and hands. Plus, we're the official healthcare partner of GW Athletics, the DC Furies, and the DC Revolution. Get back to doing the things you love. Learn more at GWHospital.com slash sportsmed or call 888-4-GW-DOCS. Physicians are not employees or agents of this hospital. Hello, welcome back to another Gallagher Shots podcast. Uh, you're probably sick of the sound of any takeover talk now because I think every time we record one of these, we're expecting it to be the last. So seeing as there's no news, we thought we'd talk about something else, uh, which is kind of takeover related. It is the man that everybody loves, Mike Ashley. We're going to have a look at the 13 years under Mike Ashley. Um, now, whilst most fans have been left numb from this experience, has it all been doom and gloom? That's the question I'm going to ask today. Clark is here. Hello, mate. Hello, Yared. And Andy as well. Hello. And we've got a combined age of 73, so it means that the last 13 years form the majority of our time following Newcastle United, that which we can remember at least. The entertainers marched on in our formative years. We were blessed with Bobby Robson and European Knights as we got a bit of an understanding of the game, but the more prominent memories of a pre-match pint uh, and those lack of memories after the wins uh, were basically where Sports Direct were a Adorning the walls of St James's Park, the signs anyway, and its owner had taken charge of Newcastle United. Um, so, lads, we've got some positives that we've kind of agreed on. We've got some negatives that we've agreed on, um, and they all intertwine into the last 13 years. So I think that these five sum up the main events during all of it. We can't cover it all, but... Two relegations in our lifetime is probably a decent starting point. Mm. Can you tell us how you felt that first relegation when we went down the first time? Start with you, Clark, if you want. Um, that was a funny one for me. Um, I'd pretty much just, well, I'll, I'll preface it with the fact that I'm 22. So going into that season, 2008, I would have been 10. Um, so I wasn't massively into me football by then, but um, I'd just been in my first few games like the season before, I think. So when we went down, I wasn't particularly like as good as I was for the most recent one because I wasn't too sure how into football I was at the time. And then, funnily enough, it was the championships that got me into it. Probably because yeah. we were winning. Um, <laughs> and Andy, have you got anything on that, that first one, seeing as you and I probably remember it a little bit better? 
Yeah, I remember the Aston Villa game really well, the one that actually sent us down. Um, I think I was watching it at a mate's house and I, I think at the time I obviously understood what relegation was, but I don't think I understood the massive impact that has in terms of the mm. players that you lose, the the fact that you're playing against Plymouth next year, not Man United. <laughs> I don't think it really sunk in and obviously the championship season straight after that was quite enjoyable. That was probably my first proper season going to away games. Um, I used to go to the odd game away at Wigan and things, but that was dreary as well. But yeah, it was I seem to I, I don't think I cried because I think I was 14 15 so I don't think I really appreciated it as much but obviously seeing Newcastle fans in tears you, you it kind of made you realize god this is really awful especially when you my dad's only ever really known Newcastle to be half decent challenging for things so yeah it was tough and it was a bit of a harsh introduction to Mike Ashley wasn't it I remember being sat in my garden and it was a lovely sunny day and I think that we all knew that there wasn't much chance of us actually staying up. We could have done it, but I remember the build-up to that, going to watch the uh, the Middlesbrough game in the pub. Um, obviously, the the real come down of the the Fulham game where we we should have done better, um, and we sealed our fate before it, which is kind of the the theme of both relegations. But um, yeah, th- that sinking feeling the first time was was a feeling that I've never experienced uh, in football up until that time. I used to believe that when I went to St James's Park, Newcastle couldn't lose. Um, and, and then to have that kind of crushing feeling was awful. The second time we will get on to, but Clark, you mentioned the championship was kind of where we really had a good time. And I think a lot of people will agree that the championship's a good laugh. Yeah. Um <laughs> But yours was the the second relegation. I think it was pretty similar to the first one in the way that it was won. It wasn't won comfortably, but we did really well and we went on winning runs. And I mean, the championship years were great. Let's not let's not beat around the bush, really. Would you agree? I think um, I think the first one was slightly more enjoyable, um, just because I think we walked it. Um, yeah. I, we only lost what was it like four games all season. Mm. Got 100 points. Yeah. Does an orthopedic condition or sports injury have you sidelined? Make your comeback with GW Hospital Sports Medicine. We offer services from neck to toe, including care for shoulders, hips, knees, ankles, and hands. Plus, we're the official healthcare partner of GW Athletics, the DC Furies, and the DC Revolution. Get back to doing the things you love. Learn more at gwhospital.com slash sportsmed or call 888-4-GW-DOCS. Physicians are not employees or agents of this hospital. Points right at the time or something like that. We had Carol and Nolan, I think they scored about 18, 19 goals like, each. And I think I have fond memories of that one. I remember being a lot more stressed during the most recent one. And I think the fact that we were probably not a better side the first time round, but I think we were a bit more like creative, like Rafa had were very still like built up defensively in the championship like you knew how to win whereas in the championship I think it was a lot more enjoyable the first time around yeah yeah I'd, I'd agree with that I think um <clears throat> the thing that probably echoed both championship seasons is the fact we kept hold of a lot of our good players obviously not the not the major big hitters we lost obviously them but yeah you know yeah the Nolan Barton Enrique whatever that sort of core of players none of them really left did the and Colicini as well people like that so Mm. we kind of had a Premier League squad but got rid of most of the bad eggs Um, so we did seem to walk yeah I Mm. felt like we walked it it's kind of it was it was good that we had a lot of players who felt a duty to stay with uh, Newcastle both times mm-hmm. they, they formed the the core of both teams that, that came back up and you know we've, we've still got a fair few of them from the last time there was at one point where people were claiming we were still playing with a championship team up until one point mm-hmm. but um, I mean the way that they happened they were really crushing the, the first one you had both two club legends uh, scorned by the whole thing uh, Keegan and Shearer gone in that time before we'd even gone down um, I know that it was only a short period between Ashley's arrival and us going down but there was just a slow deterioration over that time that, that kind of set the precedent for what was going to happen following that um, and, and thank, thankfully we came back both times but again We've got to look at negatives that came quickly after for one knee-jerk decision or another. Hewton gets sacked. Um, Majority of the team is ripped apart. 
the second time we've got McLaren coming in with some good players, but just a, a, a sheer lack of incompetence uh, or sheer incompetence. Sorry, should I say a lack of competence? It's <laughs> more what I should be saying for that. But it just seemed like every time we went down and came back, every bit of the team was great for that first season, and then it just got well, it just broke off, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's going to be a thing that we're probably going to talk about a lot is the fact that when we did actually have a platform to be half decent, Ashley just completely pulled the rug out, didn't he? he was, it, that that first one, like the main thing, isn't it? Is Hughton who went through a bit of a rocky patch, but you know, so does every manager. And then Andy Carroll just flogging him at the worst possible point in the season. Mm-hmm. You know, we just made him number nine. He was absolutely flying. You know, best prospect we've had in years. And then you know, for that to happen, I think that probably. With that, it's a bit strange because I think a lot of clubs end up losing the talisman players, but I think it's quite unusual for that to have happened to Newcastle where under the previous owners we were breaking world records and then we were suddenly breaking it the other way around because we were selling the players instead. Um, But yeah, that first season when we brought Pardew in, um, I actually remember that being quite an enjoyable season though. We hammered Villa, hammered Sunderland. Yeah, Um, That was was quite a fun season to be fair. The two seasons after we came back the first time were, were, were brilliant and we will get onto those points. Clark, what did you think of Chris Hutton? I really like Chris Hutton. Um, I, th- I thought, I remember I was, um, I think I was sat in IT in school and I was just skiving on NUFC.com and shout out to them. Uh, I was just skiving on there and open up. Don't know, you don't know Newcastle. <laughs> and I just remember seeing um, Hutton had been, had left the club by, what was it, mutual consent. And I just remember thinking, like, I think we'd lost a game prior to that. I'm not sure it was against, maybe it was West Brom, I can't remember. Um, and I just wasn't on the horizon for me. It came as like a total shock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I think all the pundits hammered hammered the club for it as well, didn't they? Saying, you know, totally. Um, it's the same now with all clubs where you sack a young, well, youngish for a manager, British manager, everyone always jumps on them. But, you know, especially with Hugh and after the graft he went through, he went through a really tough time in the relegation season because I think wasn't he caretaker manager twice and then got sacked off twice. I was actually I was actually watching a clip today, uh, the highlights of the 2-1 loss to Hull, which was the game after Keegan had gone um, and Hewton was in the dugout. Obviously, after that, we had the nightmare that was Joe Kinnear, um, Alan Shearer, and then Hewton stuck around again. So that loyalty to Newcastle, to, to stick around through all of that and still wait to become manager and then get sacked, it just it begs belief what, what yeah. was going on. Um, but yeah, he I think, waited all I that think... time for his chance and then he got it, did really well, and then they sacked him <laughs> off anyway. I know, it's I know. Ridiculous, it's ridiculous, really. Even his it's... Chance, it wasn't his chance but, but, uh, brought out of the fact that Shearer was waiting for a phone call from uh, Ashley like for that whole summer, like, expecting to be offered the job. Mm-hmm. Ashley gave him the cold shoulder then just gave it to Hewton. Uh, yeah. just wasn't treated with the respect he deserved from getting the so actors. many so many things like this I think uh, I read several articles just about all of this era and and I think I'm still shocked by some of the things that were done just after positive things um look we, we, we could touch on the championship seasons forever but I think there's no denying that whilst we had fun in the championship we can't really say that they were the the, the, the moments of this 13 years I think that if you're if you're kind of putting that up against one of the moments we'll talk about later the championship seems like quite a small thing that we shouldn't be celebrating too much because at the time it felt like we shouldn't be there um, but we, we had good reason to be there and I guess the reason for a lot of that was the lack of investment which is our second point here um, 12 years to break Newcastle's transfer record it still looks like it's bargain basement um, how frustrating is that for us as fans do you think we are uh, acting entitled like we should be getting bigger signs or is that the team that we are now Andy well it's the team we are isn't it um I think at times you can maybe ask too much and expect too much, but I think over time we've just been ground away so much where it went from no longer being able to compete in Europe and for the league, which is what Keegan was kicking off about, to all of a sudden we can't compete with Bournemouth and Brighton. That's the stage it's got to. We've just we've almost become zombies as fans where we just can't expect anything because we just get jumped on. Um, that's the stage it's got to now. Like you said, finally breaking the record for Joe Linton. You know, we were all just happy at the fact that we'd we'd spent 
spent money, but we don't didn't actually know if they were any good. Whereas when we were breaking records previously, it was for an Alan Shearer, someone who everyone wanted. Um, and that's the difference, isn't it? It did seem more of a um, actually just saying, look, I've done it. I've ticked the box. I've broke the record. Leave me alone now. Um, I think it's it quite it's quite strange as well that it's it's twelve years to do that. That the transfer landscape changes so much during that. You know, it went from Shearer to Owen to Miguel Almiron who was only about 10 more million more than Michael Owen who is a Ballon d'Or winner so it's crazy how much it's changed Um, Clark I mean whilst there is a lack of investment I've got down a few names here we did have some diamonds in that rough didn't we from that bargain basement Um, just to throw a few out there Kabai Teote Bar uh, and Cissé I guess uh, some of them do you Mm. think that we we got on okay with that lack of investment or that there still should have been more uh we got on okay with it initially um obviously we signed those players that you mentioned in the likes of like what was it, the 11 12 season um and that worked out well for us um i think a lot of that season can probably be brought down to luck and then but you've got to build on luck you've got to add more players to that in the season after that we signed what was it uh, Gil Bigger-Romana Curtis Good and Vernon Nita and no one else <laughs> until uh, the January when nice Ashley, to hear their names by the way yeah, yeah. Um, and then they got to January and the squad was paper thin because of the Europa League and we panic bought a bunch of players yeah, it, it's it's. I call it kind of Antoine Sibierski syndrome. Um, basically, we, we will get on to Europe. Um, I mean, it, it just goes to show that we're mentioning all these things. Everything is is very much linked here. Um, Andy, do you think that it was a sound business model to adapt? Because whilst we whilst we might complain about everything, and you know, we, we talk about what might be going on at Sunderland right now, no matter what you believe, it doesn't really matter. But um, teams going out of business, Newcastle have, despite all of these uh, bad times, we, we seem to be quite good financially. Yeah, we are. Um, it's funny, I pulled up a quote from Mike Ashley when we first went down and he said, it's been catastrophic for everyone. I've lost my money. I've made terrible decisions. I want to sell as soon as I can. And apparently at that point, it was £80 million pounds is what they were looking for. And obviously now to get to the stage where we're at, where we've been continually crap for all that time and now we're getting £300, £350 million pounds for it, whatever it is, it's been run perfectly as a business. I mean, we talked about signings. I don't know if you remember France Day when we had Yanger and B, Sissoko, Debushi, Gufran, you know, even that was really just a market employee for Sports Direct and for the club, because obviously all the signs around spot all around the ground were changed to SportsDirect.fr and things like that. It's been no, it's red, white, and blue as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's yeah, it's been run really well as a business. If there's one if there's one thing you can say that he's been consistent with, it's been the fact that he's made money and he's and he's you know. Uh, allegedly made the club debt free whether or not that's actually true I think we'll find out when the new owners come in but um, yeah it's you can't really argue with we bought players young sold them on the business model worked in on in the whole and I'll, I'll I'll kind of tie all of this into some of the other dodgy decisions that happened you know we, we've had a a loan payday loan company sponsoring us we've had some strange strange backroom staff appointments I mentioned Kinnear but in terms of people who came in to run the club it was people like Dennis Wise it was very much this Cockney Mafia as they say um, the one I'll focus on that really lost a lot of fans and, and rightly so was the, the change of the name of the ground uh, Clark did you absolutely hate that? Yes um, I remember the the photo that went viral. Um, someone spray painted St James's Park back on when they removed the <laughs> sign outside the ground. Remember that? Yeah. Um, oh, I hated it. Um, I remember the first game afterwards. I went, I like went into the ground in the, the. I bought my program. The program said Sports Direct Arena on the front, and I I was I wanted to just leave it at my seat. I, I was not a fan of it. Horrible, wasn't it? FIFA started calling us the Sports Direct Arena. Yeah, Sky Sports had an obligation <laughs> to do it. Do you think that it would have been? Uh, it wouldn't have been half as bad given everything that went on but also if it was actually a case of like right look here's what we can rename the ground we're doing well this is a chance to get money in let's say the Saudis come in and change all Mm -hmm. the names do you think that it would have been easier if it hadn't been for the fact that we were doing so badly and sports a freebie I don't necessarily have an issue with 
I mean, we can get to get that down the line, like renaming the ground and stuff. If it was for like a, a good reason, such as like we were moving grounds and what an amazing sponsor, I'd probably be able, be able to get behind it. But the fact that he was putting an advert in for his his own um, his own company, Sports Direct, and using that to try and entice other companies to to jump on board for a little bit more money, I, it just didn't sit right with us. And especially when the the team were performing so poorly at the time, it's just a lack of honesty, isn't it? Because it was yeah. basically look, we're changing the name of the ground to get investment. When's this investment going to happen? We don't know. By the way, here's here's a few signs that I'm going to stick up that can't be removed yeah. if it does get sit done. But that summed up how perfect he is as a business person because yeah. he managed to get Wonga to pay for the rights to rename it to St James's Park. Yeah. So he, he made a free fifty million quid, whatever it was, to call <laughs> to call the ground what it's been called for a hundred years. I mean, oh, you, you can't knock that really, can you? I mean, I always respected it like, at the time. I was like, wow, wow fair play, yeah. Yeah, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to admire the size of Mike Ashley's balls. And I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess the fact that he just didn't give a shit—not just about the club in general—but yeah. I think I read the article today just saying, you know, he's so thick-skinned throughout all of this. He's taken it and he's just gone. You know what? We're well, sod you, and and, and 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 to some extent, you know, I guess a lot of people who've shouted all sorts at him is just keep going. Well, you know stuff it I'll just carry on but but at the same time that's part of this business model so you know Andy you mentioned that at least we'll be debt free it for the record it's, it's no 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 I don't, I don't, this, point, this, yeah. this, this is by no means a defence we're just looking at this I think from the case of being like well are we well run Mm-hmm. From a from a business point of view, are we debt free? Are we comfortable? Um, despite two relegations, have we managed all right from this TV money? We've always seemed to get back to that good place under under Ashley, and then something goes catastrophically wrong. Um, so th- th- this will take us nicely into that magical season when we qualified for Europe and um, the the beautiful European run that we went on. 2011-2012 was the most amazing season I've ever supported Newcastle United that I can actually enjoy. I'll I'll say that. Yeah, I can't disagree with you. Obviously, we we were too young. Like you said at the the outset, we were too young for the entertainer season. First year, really, where we felt like we were actually a class team. That front three. I mean, everyone talks about the West Brom away game, don't they? Where everything just came to that point where we just absolutely ran a team to the ground and absolutely smashed them. And I don't think we've done that since in the Premier League. To we be honest, were unbelievable. I had that was the first time I was able to actually uh, afford a season ticket. I'd just started uni. Um, the amount of times I just rolled out of my halls of residence at Castle Lasers and ran across Lasers Park to get into the game bleary-eyed to see us do something amazing once again. It, it was just... I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And, and I got one of the... I think it was the discounted season tickets. I know I sound like a real plastic here, but unfortunately I've never been in a financial position to actually fork out for um, a, a season ticket in the past, nor has anyone ever paid for one for me. So that's my reasoning behind that. Um, and, and yeah... It, uh, Clark, you, you must have been really starting to kick on there in terms yeah. of supporting Newcastle. Um, you mentioned about the championship season onwards. Yeah, um, that was my first full season with a season ticket. Um, yeah. I think I, I got the half season ticket in uh, 10-11 and my first game was the, the 5-1 against Southern, which we'll get on to later. Nice but, um, <laughs> yeah, that was pure, purely by accident. Yeah. So did you say that was a half season ticket, but it started in October, did it? Yeah, it was really weird. Um, yeah. I, I somehow got a half season ticket from then. I don't know if we paid extra, I can't remember. Weird, but, um, happened, they seem to do that where the first few games went well and they're like, all right, let a few more in, let a few more in. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Again, yeah, it goes back to the business model. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but it was it was in level seven, wasn't great seats. But uh, I was I was only young at the time, so it was quite cheap. Um, but that that whole season was just a dream. Um, yeah. I was going to every game expecting us to, to pick something up. Like it was to the point where I was feeling spoiled. Like we were turning up to like Liverpool at home, and I, I had in my head thinking, yeah, we'll probably probably smash these, and yeah. then and off our rinses Jose Enrique for the whole game. Jose Enrique goes in goal. Oh, it was just <laughs> amazing. That was the perfect game, wasn't it? Oh, I loved it. And then when Cissé, like his second goal, it looked like he was taking forever to finish it. You ran with the keeper and time stood still and then he just tucked it in. It was, oh. I think I think time stood still many times for Papi Cissé. Yeah. Um, and, and he stood still for the majority of this time after that, actually. He did. Um, Off time. Um, yeah, um, but then again, it, it wasn't his fault. It was the style oh. we were playing. It's it's all, all of that. But, um, you know... I, 
I say this in every podcast where we get into a positive zone. We could talk about the 2011-12 season for ages. It deserves its own podcast on its own. But um, kind of looking at that season, we were managed by Alan Pardew, who'd come in and um, somehow got us playing that game. We'd got the bargain basements that we've already mentioned. Teote was coming into his own. Kabai arrived. We signed Demba Barr. Papi Cissé eventually. Ben Arthur was really good. Um I miss that team so much. I really do. Um, it, it's such a shame. And and the strange thing about it is that we'd also had most of the core of the championship season ripped away by then as well. So And that, that was only two seasons after arriving back in the Premier League. Kevin Nolan, not there. Carroll gone. Joey Barton gone. Um, Ryan Taylor had kind of a, a swan song season. It was just really, really weird. Um, what happens and, th- and then we had a, a magnificent Europa League run the next season did, did you manage to get to any of those games you two? All of the home ones which yeah. one sorry? All of the ones at home yeah the home games yeah yeah I think I did as well I think I went to the playoff as well against that little Greek team and they had about 30 yeah. yeah. fans in the corner is it? A yeah. 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 yeah they were, cl- they were class <laughs> it was there was a lovely, a lovely little period, wasn't it, where we we enjoyed that kind of blissful era of of, uh, of seeing what Europe felt like. Um, I th- I think that to sum up that kind of the end of that period uh, when it all started to go to shit um, was the Benfica game at home. You know, we 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 nearly did it. We nearly staged that amazing comeback, and then Benfica scored. And I remember so vividly, me included. I think the whole stadium just started clapping. Yeah, we all stood up. Yeah. When Benfica scored and we knew it was over, yeah. because we'd got that far and we'd never expected it because of the way that we'd been worn down by this Ashley era um, and won relegation prior to that, the whole stadium just got up and clapped and I thought, there's my team. There's the team that I want to yeah. support week in, week out. And there's so many times where we will just applaud them for that team that, that tries that, rather yeah, than the I was one say, that wins that perfectly sums up that phrase doesn't it that we mm. don't demand a team and I think that'll be the case you know fingers crossed the new owners come in and we're challenging for things I think even for the first 5-10 years of that we're still going to be happy just for a team that Definitely. actually give it a go against the big boys exactly. Stephen talking about that like the the, the whole stadium stand up and applauding still gives me like feels to this day I remember Absolutely. it like, so vividly it was such like an amazing moment because I remember like we were like Going out in the mall game, trying to just desperately get this goal. I think CC hit the post. I was at Ben Arthur. Um, and I still, to this day, think if we'd have got that last goal, we would have won the Europa League. I think, they, so. I think so as well. They, in the next round, they had Fenerbahce. I think we could have beat them. And then it was Chelsea in the final. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Rafa Benitez, funnily enough. And, there he is, there he is again. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, funnily enough, funnily enough, the I next point is going to be him. But but we'll... It, 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 yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it goes back to the whole, like, what what could have been. I mean, if we'd beaten Marseille, if Drogba hadn't scored, it, it, it all goes yeah. back to that throughout Newcastle history. If we hadn't blown a 12-point lead, we are the if team, it, it seems. Yeah. But... Um, Andy, one of the last points you brought up was that we didn't kick on after uh, qualifying for Europe. Again, goes back to the lack of investment. Did did that feel like a betrayal? Did it feel like we were getting mugged off once again? Well, it's hard to. T- it was. I think at that point it was hard to tell with Mike. Actually, you didn't know whether he was just naive or whether he was doing it deliberately. Um, we obviously lost a lot of the core players. It was that the, the season we lost Bar. Um, CC also lost his touch. He stopped scoring screamers from forty-five yards out every game. That probably didn't help as well. Not scoring in Europe though, he did. He, he... Yeah. But yeah, it, it did feel a bit like that. And I think we all knew it was going to be tougher the season after in Europe. But I mean, who did we even sign in that transfer window? Did we even sign anyone? I don't remember that season at all. I think that might be the ones that uh, Clark mentioned there with yeah, Anita. Gail Romana and Werner Anita. Yeah, and that's that's the time where you go, right, you know, we can buy a world-class player and actually mm. be a team challenging for the top seven. But obviously we never did that and we'll obviously get to it later. But the, I mean, it's the, even, the Rafa Premier even, League season is exactly the same. Even the incapability of holding on to Denver Bar was was a shame. Um, and, you know, you have to look at these players and, and yes, OK, some, some have left for money, some have gone for the bigger thing. Um, and that's understandable. But that's probably down to the fact that Newcastle never posed the idea that we were going to be one of these we mean business clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did have a, a glimmer of that. 
under Rafa Benitez. That that I'll, we'll we'll go on to that now. Um, obviously, Benitez came in after the car crash of a season that Steve McLaren was providing. Uh, players like Champions League winner. Jorginho Vinaldum um, and a whole host of others who were hanging around like Musa Sissoko who'd come in after the the uh, before the before the other relegation um, and again we, we had some real star quality there but we knew in the back of your mind that they might want to leave and and sure enough the heart wasn't in it when the chips were down Benitez inherited us with was it eight games ten games to go yeah. Um and, and still couldn't do it because of the, the rotten core of our team. So he comes in, he rips that core out, lets them go. And, and we have people like Jamal Lascelles who start to rise in the ranks, um, who I would say, again, is, is one of the, the positives out of this this period. Jamal Lascelles coming through and the way he spoke about the rest of the team. Um, we kind of had that unity again that we had under Hewton. Um I mean, Benitez coming, did you ever think that could happen to us, Clark, or was that just another one of these mad scenarios that could only happen in Newcastle United? I didn't ever conceive <laughs> that he would come. Like, he'd just been sacked by Real Madrid, and I just... I, 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 I don't even like, remember... I just remember vividly seeing the photos on Twitter of him arriving at St. James's Park and just like waving at the cameras and on his way in, and... I just could not believe it at all. I, I still wasn't sure if he would stay up. I remember thinking like uh, this could, this could be a very. Well, that's, sad the, that's the mad thing, isn't it? It's like we're celebrating the arrival of a world class manager, but we're fighting a relegation battle, uh-huh. and he's not he's not got that long to do it, and no transfer window either. I think that's why that relegation hurt more for me, because yeah. there was always that aspect with the first one that oh, it was good for us, like we could rebuild, we can get rid of a lot of the rotten players. But if we hadn't have went down in 15-16, I think we'd have been fine. Because with him at the helm, he would have sorted it all out. And I think we'd have been in a good position. Yeah. That's why it hurt for me. Like, And then obviously the, the whole saga, we didn't know if he was going to stay. And the, the, the Tottenham 5-1 kind of helped that. Well, it was kind of the story of the end of every season under Benitez of... Is this his last game? And and fair play to him, he, he saw out that contract. Um, I mean, we had, we had some great moments in those three years, and I think that was the last time that we felt as though we were going to really get our club back, even if it was under Ashley. Would you would you say, Andy? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, yeah, we've skipped past it a bit, but the capitulation under Pardew and then McLaren, it was just an absolute clown show, wasn't it? And the fact that we managed to get someone so prestigious, you know, one of these people who goes to these UEFA elite dinners, and you think, bloody hell, fair play to Ashley and Charlie, they've actually done something really good here. Um, and you know, he was always very good with the media, and I think he did play up to the fans. But at the end of the day, he got Newcastle. He's one of the only play, one of the only people to be in that bracket with Keegan for me as someone who understands what it takes to make Newcastle as good as they can be and obviously does an orthopedic condition or sports injury have you sidelined make your comeback with GW Hospital Sports Medicine we offer services from neck to toe including care for shoulders hips knees ankles and hands plus we're the official healthcare partner of GW Athletics the DC Furies and the DC Revolution get back to doing the things you love Learn more at gwhospital.com slash sportsmed or call 888-4-GW-DOCS. Physicians are not employees or agents of this hospital. It was a bit ropey when we started in the championship. I think there was those first two games that we lost and everyone thought, oh, bloody hell, we've actually bottled this again here. But then <laughs> getting back up and then, you know, getting to that position where we've got Rafa with a good core of players and we're in the Premier League again, you think, right, we can actually, you know, we're not going to go and challenge for the league or anything, but we can be half decent again and not just scrapping around. Yeah, and it, I think it all, almost we, we've everything we've covered so far happens stronger in those Benitez years. The lack of investment, which pissed him off, um, the, the the fact that we couldn't kick on because of that. Um, we had a chance of actually looking like we were playing some amazing football, uh, similar to the way that we ran over West Brom that time. I mean, everyone today alone was looking back at the four nil away to Fulham uh, this time last year, and and we still had that manager, Rafa Benitez, 
in the championship. It it just it baffles me that all of this has happened in in that time. It, I just it's felt mad. so elite in the championship. Just every yeah. game, you felt like every team really hated you and wanted to beat you. And obviously, every single team brought their A game against us. And it's like this what this is what it must be like to be Liverpool or Man City in the Premier League. It's like even everyone when the, cha- wants the to championship managers went up to Benitez to like greet him. You'd you'd think that that was almost a bit like uh, bigger like bigger than anything in life. Yeah, it's like, it's, like, it's like just going over to shake Rafa Benitez's hands. Two seconds, lads. I'll be back in a second. These yeah. managers who probably never have a chance of getting into the Premier League, if the, you know, the, the ones who were just there for the season and that was it. It's like you're on the touchline with Rafa Benitez, who lifted the Champions League trophy with Liverpool not long ago, um, and you're fresh out of League One. Um, it's just crazy and Clark you you mentioned to me before when we were planning all this about what Andy said about their capitulation under Pardew and McLaren we had the the loss the run loss didn't we um, under under Pardew didn't we oh yeah we, we just uh, remember that banner uh, where it was like LLW this is not a Welsh town this is Newcastle's record on Darlan Pardew it was just it was such a dire time to be a Newcastle fan yeah and he he got off really easy as well, didn't he? Because he went to Palace. Um, yeah, we got paid for Alan Pardew. Never yeah, forget that. I know. Um, it's so, it, again, we, we've got these mad moments, I guess, which we mentioned there. But, um, you know, so, some might say that the there were some rough times under Benitez. I mean, we had the start Matt of... Sells. <laughs> we, had Matt, yeah. we had Matt Sells, um, <laughs> who is now the, the Colts quiz answer or, or joke tweet when people say who should have a statue built of them outside St. <laughs> James's Park when the new owners come in. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to be one to say that I didn't enjoy it because um, enough towards the end people will be like, oh, yeah, well, the football was rubbish. There's no doubt in my mind that I didn't give a, a toss what we were playing like under Benitez. Um, and, and there were some moments where we really looked like a, a strong team, but we did have losing runs under Benitez, didn't we, Andy? Yeah, there the, the were times. It, Rafa always seemed to be really good in the second half of the season, didn't he? He always used really? to start off really poor and then almost have to get to a point where, um, you know, to rile up the team. I don't know if any of you have been watching that Michael Jordan documentary where, like, oh. where, like to get into that mindset of, like, right, when, this is when we need to bring our A game. Um, and it's almost like Rafa waited to do that until it actually mattered at the end of the season. So, yeah, we went through some awful runs and the football, he, the sort of style he played was really highlighted when we were getting beat it seemed to be sort of like Cardiff or you know just the sort of crap teams and then all of a sudden we would go and beat Chelsea or get a result at Liverpool or beat Man United or you know or was it was it City we managed to beat when they were, we were the only team to beat them something like that yeah. you know they used to just put they used to just turn it on when it really mattered and that's when you used to even the biggest Rafa critics had to turn around and say do you know what this guy really knows what he's doing even if it doesn't always look that way Totally, and I think that happened towards the end of his final season, where we we, we saw some amazing play. Almiron came in and just made the the team click. Rondon as well. Um, but that that being said, I, th- I think Benitez sums up the Ashley time best, and it goes to what you said, Andy. You know, he gets what the fans want, and he almost used that to his advantage to get at Ashley. We had that cold war of of press conferences, didn't we, Clark, where it was like stubbornness to to commit to anything, just little digs about the transfer policy. So everything we've covered was kind of covered by Benitez, wasn't it? Yeah, he plays that game very well. Um, I think it's also quite a, a good like defense mechanism on himself. Like you could always, if the team's going for a bit of a rough patch, you would always like to. And I'm not putting this on Rafa as like a negative. He would always play the media very well and kind of direct them to the attention of whose fault it is. Every is every manager it. does though. Every every yeah. manager's good at that, aren't they? So yeah. I seem to remember the Leicester game was the was it Leicester away one of his last games where he kind of yeah. took the shackles off himself a little bit and actually really openly spoke out because normally he would just kind of go you know the fans know what's going on and he'd be very coy whereas at Leicester he was like listen this club needs investment they could be one of the best clubs in the country and then a bit of a mic drop wasn't it and then he just kind of left <laughs> yeah yeah his voice was breaking and it, it just felt too good yeah. Uh, just just memories isn't it but th- those times are gone um, and, and we're looking ahead to the future um, but yeah the, but Benitez left and I think uh, you know I said at the start about how I felt when Newcastle got relegated the first time under Ashley that was the second time that I felt that 
I didn't even feel it that much in the second relegation because I I, I knew what we were now. Um, but the Benitez thing was like, oh, you're going to take that away from us as well. And that was the final straw under Ashley for many, replaced by Steve Bruce. Um, Clark, what was your first words when you saw that Benitez had left? Um, I, think, company? I think, well, 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 when Benitez left, I was just totally dejected. Like, um, I think I reacted to that worse than I did the relegation in fifteen sixteen because at least then we had Rafa. Um, I just lost all hope again because I think we were in the midst of the BZ, uh, BZG um, takeover falling through. We were, yeah. So that had just happened. Got about that, but oh well, Rafa might say he might not. Then Rafa left. That was just, that was just the lowest, lowest of lows. And then I think. My, my initial reaction to us bringing in Steve Bruce as well was, I think my tweet, my, I think I tweeted at the time, is this an episode of Black Mirror? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, uh, Compared to what's going on in the rest of the world right now, I think that was probably one of the, the, the less exciting episodes of Black Mirror, yeah. to be honest. Um, but yeah, Andy, that was kind of, again, back to Ashley's failure to see the bigger picture. Um, not even the failure to see it, more the not wanting to see the bigger picture. We hear about this this meeting that uh, Rafa Benitez had, the, the several meetings that he's had with Mike Ashley, um, and, and then that very cold ending to their relationship yeah I think the the best metaphor for it is probably when Rafa produced this massive schematics for the training ground a multi-million pound renovation and things and then allegedly all he did was paint the walls I think that's a great metaphor for the Ashley years really isn't it Um, painting all the damp (laughs) yeah wants to look like he's doing something but it doesn't actually make a difference Um, and that's it really I think the I mean, Rafa and Ashley was never going to be a, a good relationship, was it? They were two very principled people. Rafa's principle being everything should be about football. Ashley's principle being everything should be about sportsdirect.com. Um, so it, it was always going to go wrong. Um, it was kind of Return of the King, Kevin Keegan part two, wasn't it? And unfortunately, I think we all saw it coming. Um, there was no way Rafa, Ashley was going to let Rafa come in, come in and let him change his ways. Yeah, and another, another person that the fans would turn to uh, scorned once again, Rafa Benitez, Alan Shearer, Chris Hutton, Kevin Keegan, all of these people suddenly turned away by this man and the club that he had set up. Um, ah, so, so yeah, we, we await what happens next once again. But our, our fifth moment, just to make this a little bit easier uh, on everyone's ears and just to, so that we don't hate our lives after we finish this podcast... <laughs> um, Let's have a look at the crazy moments because I think the one thing that people will say that throughout all of this, Newcastle United have still been Newcastle United um, in the way that we go on. So let's get the negatives out of the way first. There's been some shambolic performances. Clark, what was the one that you kind of mentioned um, that we lost in uh, and some of those dreary games, which was which is like the seminal one would sum up Ashley's tenure? Well, you've got... The three nils against Sunderland, um, yep. which uh, in the stadium, I've, I'm surprised I didn't hurt some people around me. I was just throwing myself around, just or a horse, to not be anywhere else but in that stadium. Um, one one of the worst those days. I think I left um, a couple of times when we were playing badly. Um, the six nil against Liverpool when Matthew yep. Debussy seemingly decided to get himself sent off. <laughs> Um, John Is that like John Carver there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, don't think Williamson uh, holds a candle to Debussy at that point. Yeah. But um, no, that, that game, I just remember Coutinho tore us apart. Henderson scored twice. Barini scored his first ever Liverpool goal. It was just ridiculous. And then one of the ones that were a little bit more out there, I think we had a, a nil-nil with QPR in, I think it was... Um, Either 11, 12 or 12, 13. It's the worst game of football I've ever seen in my entire life. It was just the most dreary game ever. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of that, isn't it? And I I think, funnily enough, we mentioned the Sunderland games there, not not that we're obsessed or anything, but the the derbies didn't really come down to lack of investment or anything. We always seemed to play Sunderland when we were in the best form of our lives. Um, It was more that the players just weren't 
up to it at the time and and and, and, and lo and behold it took Rafa Benitez to be the one to actually come and stop the rot um, when Mitrovic scored that goal and the fella ran the pitch but I think those Sunderland games are quite significant aren't they Andy in that those losses yeah. hit hardest because it kept happening and happening and happening and we just couldn't seem to do anything about it and it was mainly because the players didn't get what the derby was yeah. I, I and the last time we saw that was, was Nolan and Cole wasn't it yeah, I think it's pure lack of management, to be honest. I think it was lack of man management, which I think we've seen. Uh, we haven't talked a lot about Pardew, really, but that was one thing he obviously lacked. I mean, we've seen his interview about the Dutch football where he basically said, oh, my players are needy, they need to know what tactics we're playing. He, I, I basically put the derby defeat solely on him. And I think the, the transfer policy is potentially to blame as well because you had players there who were using us as a stepping stone and when it came to these important games that are only really important to Newcastle and Sunderland, no one else in the world, that's when they didn't show up obviously the games where we were playing Arsenal Kabai and Debussy like to show up but the Sunderland games, I just think we had the wrong mix of players and the wrong man leading them yeah, and Pardew, of course, you know, it, it, it all goes back to one man. He was mates with Ashley. There was talk that he owed him money. Um, but again, allegedly, yeah. But I mean, it, it all goes back to this bad management. I mean, giving him an eight year contract, which is only just about to run out. It, again, it's it's back to that whole thing of being like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, but. I definitely think that uh, it does the the defeats directly stem back to Ashley because I remember um, just after we got promoted he released that massive uh, club statement where he alienated half the media he said we weren't going to buy any players coming up Uh, we're just going to keep the same squad for the Premier League which we basically did in that first season and then until the bonus row when all of the senior players alienated Ashley and vice versa and then we're got rid of all of them, Barton, Nolan, etc. the ones that would have shown up in the derbies and did show up in the derbies. And then we brought in these, these like you said, bargain buys from the likes of France, which did amazingly for us in every other game. But the ones that really, really, really mattered against Sunderland. And especially, I don't want to pin it all on him, but I remember every derby, Suzuka would really let me down. Yeah. Suzuka, Teote always lost his head as well. Yeah. Um, Luke de Jong didn't play very well. (laughs) It's like like just strange what happened on those days. And, I mean, the crazy thing is, I think that the Sunderland derbies are the worst moments for me during all of that um, because we give them something to cling on to because we're probably never going to play them again now I never want to play them again I never enjoyed a single Derby day no even though we won just relief like I was never too fussed like I mean the the one nil Ryan Taylor was was amazing, but that's all we've got to cling on to now because we'll probably not play them again for a good few years. And but again, he, we go we go back to that season, don't we? The the 2011-12 season that that was part of that, and yeah. it just it was almost was, a bubble, wasn't it? In, in this whole night, actually. Sorry, oh, sorry. Yeah, I was just saying that that season really we keep sort of flicking back to it. It was really just a complete blip, wasn't it? In this whole yeah. night, totally. Really. It's, it's it, we're saying there about it's all that Sunderland have to hang on to. That that season's pretty much all that Mike Ashley has to hang on to during yeah. this if, if, yeah. if, if any Ashley apologist want to say he's done a good job we some of the, the ones who I spoke sport. to at the start of the season at the Arsenal game you, you know that that's all we've got That that's our cup that's our cup final right there a Europa League quarter final and a half decent finish under bloody Alan Pardew um, it's nothing to gloat about so yeah. As much as I love it as well, I'm, I'm sick of seeing on Twitter with the streets will remember Papi C saying Demba This is all I see every like week. Yeah. Just photos of them saying the streets will remember. Are, are you saying that your street won't remember, Clark? Uh, my street will, will never forget as long as they've got Twitter.com. Right. Okay. My street's all just rugby fans. So I don't mean they care. <laughs> yeah, I, I live on a main road, so my street might forget. I'm not sure the buses have stopped. Um, just to put that one to bed. Um, let's talk about something positive finish. We'll 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 make it a big finish. Yeah. What was the best game under Mike Ashley, Andy? Uh, one that springs to mind straight away was that Norwich four three in the championship. That right. unbelievable, that unbelievable finish. I don't know why that's jumped away to me. In terms of sort of personal ones, one that's just happened: West Brom away in the cup. 
That right. was just such an unbelievable game. But again, that was a blip where we actually made it through the cup. There, there were little blips like that where you remembered what it was like to be still in the cup somehow. I mean, technically, let's not forget yeah. this is our longest cup run ever. Yeah, <laughs> meant with, things finals meant to have been by now, isn't it? But I remember that one. We had random games where we went away to Man United and got the win in the Brazil strip. I remember that one. I went to that game. Um, in terms of crazy wins, this is an anti Ashley point, really. But when uh, Gutierrez scored, and he, you know, this is yeah. when he just come back from cancer, and he gave Mike Ashley the ears. Um, just little, that just was, little that moments. The last like that. thing, I, last thing I was going to mention there about Gutierrez, oh, and well, no, no, just saying, I'm, I'm glad that you brought it up. Uh, Gutierrez, of course, was the, was the the player who got money back off the club for his discrimination case. Um, and, and like you say, that that moment of elation in that game against just West Ham. Real. But we, again, we were celebrating staying Not going up. down, yeah. And I only it's thought that happened to teams like West Brom when they did that amazing comeback, or, or Bolton did it, you know. Clark, what was what was yours? I, I know that you keep mentioning the, the 5-1 against Sunderland, but there's yeah. there any other standouts? That one obviously stands out, but um, weirdly enough, I remember the, the season we got relegated under McLaren and Benitez, the 6-2 against Norwich. Oh yeah. yeah, absolutely. That where Wayne Alden scored four goals. Yeah, he scored four. Yeah. He scored. And Perez got the other one, I think. Um, it was just a mental game of football. And then you've got um, the four-four against Arsenal, which obviously wasn't a win, but. Well, I was, I was going to say that as mine actually the 4-4 against Arsenal was one of the most <laughs> the craziest one of the craziest days I think uh, for, for any Newcastle fan because again I know this point's been made many times including by the, the Mike Ashley fake account on Twitter one of the things that we were celebrating most when lockdown happened was the game being replayed of the 4-4 and it was a game that we didn't even win yeah. I mean it's like and people have the first three goals we scored were crap as well yeah, Leon exactly. well, yeah. Best, man. <laughs> exactly. Again, another name to oh, just Leon. throw into this mix. Um, but was was there a game that really like stood out for you, Clark? That you were at? Um, the one nil away at my United is probably the best feeling I've had in a football stadium. Um, just yeah. because of the, how momentous it felt at the time, and the fact that. We played so well as well. It was it was really really good. I remember combined to you did a little head tennis. Yeah. Um, ben Alpha had Alpha kept the ball off Moyes as well. I remember. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was class. <laughs> it's crazy, um, isn't it? It's 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 quite strange again because I, I I hear that a lot about that game. One of my best mates, Sean, he he goes on about that game being so amazing because we beat Man United, but because it was at Old Trafford, and yeah. that was just unheard of. And obviously, that was in the season where everyone was doing it, but we did it. Um, and uh, there's been some great. I mean, just to name a few others, we've got. Most of the games in the 2011-12 season, which which we have covered, and, and obviously all of the European nights, but we beat Man City recently. Um, and, and again, we, we talk about this season being pretty bleak after Benitez, but you've got, again, going back to Man United, Matty Longstaff's goal, yeah. Miguel Almiron's first goal, um, Hayden's last-minute one against Chelsea. So throughout all of this, despite Ashley being at the helm... We never really lost those Newcastle United moments, did we? No. The other one that springs to mind as well is that Spurs game where Tim Krull made about 5,000 saves and Yanger and Bewa made about 5,000 goal line clearances. And we, yeah, and it was like... Uh, no, I liked him. I thought he was class. He just couldn't head. Which um, one was that? was that? Was that when we lost? No, we, that was when Remy scored and then we just put everyone on the line. Of course. We yeah. went all out defence on FIFA and just refused to concede. It was class. But that, that was kind of like just one of those where we were just clinging on for dear life. And I guess that's what we've kind of done as a club under Ashley, to be honest. But um, just games like that where, yeah, you, it, you did remember the elation of a football fan, but then you had the other ones, like Clark mentioned there, nil-nil at QPR. There's probably loads more of them that we can't even remember because they're just being wiped from our memories. <laughs> yeah. And I think I think that kind of sums up the whole thing. There are positives throughout all of this. Win, um, manager coming in, player being signed, achievement being done. But constantly, which is quite strange for a man who seems to love to run businesses so well, it's always at a cost. 
And I, I think that it's quite strange that for someone like Mike Ashley, he would hate to suffer a loss. So why should that cost be Newcastle? And I think that that comes from the fact that the football club just hasn't been run as a football club should, really, has it, Clark? No, definitely not. Um, I think the fact that we've had these moments that we've like enjoyed the, to kind of counteract the absolute shambles that is Mike Ashley just comes from football itself like you're always going to try and take the positives out of it and support your team none of that's a reflection of what he's done for the club it's just kind of what we've managed to be able to take out of it um, I still think as much as we have kept like a, an even keel on the negatives and the positives much as I've had some great time supporting the club over the last decade or 13 years sorry um the negatives outweigh the positives. Totally, <laughs> totally. Kind of, uh, yeah. no, no doubt in anyone's mind here yeah. that I, I think that the negatives are, are, are there. Um, I think that what we're trying to say here is that the the positives are very much small blips, as as yeah. we mentioned before, in, in the grand scheme of things. Positives that could have, if clumped together, um, should have spurred us on to do amazing things. But I think that's that's why we started with the first thing, the the most damning thing for Mike Ashley running Newcastle United is that we were relegated twice in that time. Um, yet still, we, we managed to come back from it. And, and the negatives come from many things. There's knee-jerk reactions that we've mentioned. But do you, do you think, Andy, that we we are so nearly the thing but because of Mike Ashley, it just isn't possible. Well, at the minute, yeah, you can't really argue with that, can you? Um, obviously, under previous owners, we were kind of, well, I think they ran out of money in the end, didn't they? So you could say that to an extent initially, Ashley did the right thing in trying to consolidate and getting the money back in and things like that. But then he's just had no desire whatsoever to actually, you know, if I owned a football club, wouldn't you want to just enjoy it and have a class football club that you own? I just That's the thing I don't understand about Mike Ashley. It's just all money. And I feel like he's going to get to a point where he sells Sports Direct, sells Debenhams or whatever, and he's going to look back on his time as a football owner and go, that was really rubbish, really. I didn't didn't ever try and make anything of that team. I just which used is, it to, make, to buy more pairs of jeans. Which is so strange because you yeah, better jeans if that. Um, <laughs> you know, um, you... You've, you've, you've just got to look at the likes of I mean I, I would like to think of you, you look at uh, Bournemouth's owner when they came up he was on the pitch celebrating with a flag in his hands Huddersfield owner could barely watch when that penalty shootout was taking place watching his team go into the, the Premier League Th- that's what you want to see you don't want to see a man just necking a pint when it when, when it's not going well um, who turns up once once in a blue moon and, and sometimes has a bit of a laugh while he's doing it um, I love that. he might take you out for pizza as well at the same time just let you know what were you going to say Clark sorry that, like, I'm, I'm just giggling away at myself like that clip I think when we're playing Arsenal he's in the stands and he just downs a pint <laughs> in about like six seconds oh it's just so funny our power drinking owner of 13 years um, may well be on his way out of Newcastle United um, we, we, we wait with with bated breath how long how long can you hold your breath Clark not much longer I think no, when <laughs> Andy, Andy, your camera does turn most of your clothes purple, but I think is, is this your face from just the the weight now? Yeah, the filter's not even on here. This is yeah. just what it's like at the minute, isn't it? It's just you just we just what we're talking about there. The fact that we're having to scrape the barrel so much for positive moments. Mm-hmm. When it just it just needs to end, doesn't it? We just need a fresh start so people like us can actually enjoy football for the first time in our lives for a yeah. consistent amount of time and not just for one or two games here and there. Can I can I ask an honest question throughout the thirteen years? If if you heard that Newcastle I mean let, let let's say Mike Ashley never came in and in the two years after um you know, sorry, not the two. Yeah, the two years after we didn't sell to Ashley, let's say, and we still had the likes of Sir John Hall, Freddie Shepherd, and we'd gone down. What do you think would have happened? It's, I mean, it's impossible to say, isn't it? I mean, there was all sorts of talk around things going wrong behind the scenes at Newcastle. It could well have been that they had to. We talk about bargain basement for players. We might have had to do bargain basement for the club at that point, and could have all gone horrid. We could have done a Leeds. So you, you never still- know, dear. Because at the same time, I mean, I know, please don't get me wrong with this, the core of our problems has been Ashley, but throughout all of this, there's been so many rotten Apple players who just haven't wanted to play for the club. 
whether it's Michael Owen, who we know wasn't uh, it, it wasn't to do with Ashley, that was purely him. Damien Duff couldn't be asked and stuff like that. Do you, do you think that's just an inevitable thing that w- we were always going to be in that area? Oh, well, I was going to let you take that one, Clark. <laughs> sorry, Clark. Yeah, <laughs> deep questions right at the end here. Yeah, sorry. Um, well, I think obviously, like you're saying, they ran out of money at the end before Ashley came in. So I think potentially, if they have been forced to like, continue anything, it could have went ridiculously worse than what we've had. We could have, like you say, have done leads. Um, but that doesn't obviously at all excuse Ashley for how he's acted when we've been in. But you've, you've got to look at the likes of uh, Sunderland's owners borrowing twenty million from the club to buy the club, and then not then writing off that debt. So financially, he's he's sort of out, but he's he's a businessman. He's not a footballer. Now. He doesn't care about football. Doesn't care about the club. And uh, I just just want him out before I lose my mind. We, we mentioned the the stadium name change, but. It has very much been Sports Direct at St James's Park, and I think that's it, really. But for no. much longer. Mic drop on that moment. Um, <laughs> uh, you're still holding your breath. I don't blame you. Um, listen, uh, guys, thanks for joining me. I know this has uh, been painful. We're nearly out of this. Let, let's see what happens. And I've, I've said that many times. But um, thank you for listening to the podcast. Thanks for coming in today, Clark. And cheers to you, Andy, as well. No bother. Thanks very much. And keep your keep your ears open for whatever the hell is going to happen next, because we are Newcastle United. <laughs> <laughs>